Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Awesome. Well, my name is Scott Stalker, and uh, for any of you who don't know me, my family and I have been long-time attenders here at Element. I have my wife, Deanna, Dominic, and Aaron are here in the sanctuary today. I believe my daughter's probably downstairs. And I have the privilege of kind of sharing with you um, a message today. Pastor Gail asked me a few weeks if I'd be willing to to come and talk today. He knew he would be he would be absent today. He's actually having a little rest, a little vacation, which I'm so happy for him for. Um, so yeah, today I'm going to share with you what the Lord's been speaking to me personally as I've been working my way through this study, as many of you have as well, with the 10 second rule. Um, but before I go any farther, I would like to just say a prayer, and I know Melissa just did, but it's just on my heart. I really like to lift up Gail. I think that is so cool that we are having a party for him to celebrate, first of all, that accomplishment. I personally know how challenging it is to earn a couple degrees with a family and a full-time job, and I'm just so happy for him that that season's over and he can kind of refocus. So just pray thanks for that and pray blessing over him as our pastor. And um, just pray for the rest of the service. So why don't you bow your heads with me, please. Father, we do count it a great privilege to be here today. And we just want to lift up our pastor. We thank you so much for uh, you, Holy Spirit, just helping him persevere through a very busy time. And we know that um, what you taught him in this program will be a major blessing, not only to this local, local church, but to the body as a whole. And we just pray, pray blessing over him, Father, that as, as he's gone here the last few days, uh, might even be coming today, I'm not sure, but I just pray that as he was away, he was able to rest in your presence, Father, and just get um, recharged to bring back a renewed and, and uh, vision for the local this local group of brothers and sisters that you've put on his heart. And Father, I just pray for the rest of the service. I pray that the words that I speak would be would be from you, and that I would get out of the way, Father, and that you would just be glorified. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as many of you have, I've been working my way through this challenging book, right? And, you know, if we were to try to sum this up in one word, well, let's say two words, it would be obey God. And it has been a challenge. You know, a lot of the testimonies in here of the people who are doing, who are obeying God within 10 seconds, it's really powerful. And it really is an encouragement to me, and I'm sure those of you who are reading it as well. And it's about obedience. And last week... Um, for those of you that were here, Pastor Gail preached the message on obedience, and I'm going to continue to talk about that. Actually, the Lord spoke to me pretty heavy last week. Uh, the four points that Pastor Gail talked about last week, he's talking about the story of Noah and this man who God said, hey, I want you to build this boat. It's about the size of a football field, and by the way, I want you to do it in your yard where everybody's going to mock you and laugh at you and think you're crazy. And God, or I'm sorry, and well, yeah, God through Gail, I believe, spoke these points that God uses people who obey. God uses uh, countercultural people. He uses people who follow him completely, and he uses people who never give up. And that was the message last week. And I'm not going to review the whole thing, but I will tell you there's a couple things that really stood out to me. One was a question that was asked. It was, um, this isn't exact, but this is what I heard, was, if you were alive, in Noah's generation, would God have chosen you to obey and to be mocked and to be persecuted and just to persevere through that years of building this ark? And I'm like, oh man, that is, that's a challenge. 
Would he, I mean, think about it, seriously. Would he have chosen you? I know I've really been reflecting on that, and that's a huge challenge. And then the other thing that really stood out to me was God uses people who never give up. And I know at the end of the ceremony, or the end of the service, the end of the talk anyway, you know, Gail was talking about getting, you think a lot of us want to obey. We want, we, we love God. We want to do what he instructs us to do right away within 10 seconds. But it's like a real challenge. You know, we get burnt out. We're tired. We get hammered sometimes with uh, life's pressures and challenges and trials, which we know we're going to receive. So how do we do it? How do we do it? Um, I have a couple images I want to show you. A couple options here. The first image, uh, is this what we do? You just got to suck it up. Try harder. You're not trying hard enough. There's something wrong with you. Is that really what's going on? Or when we accept Jesus as our Savior, is it more like this? Where His grace not only forgives us, but it empowers us to do what He says. To obey Him out of His great love for us. And I believe this is what the Word of God teaches us. And what the Lord's been speaking to me personally, and by the way, everything I'm sharing with you today, I'm not preaching at you at all. This is the last couple of weeks how God has taken me and went, okay, you're going the wrong way, dude. We're going this way. So I'm just, what's fed me, I hope is going to feed you. Because that's all I'm doing today. So anyways, this is what the Word of God teaches us. That... God, we're actually a new creation, and he frees us, to, and we actually have the power to obey him um, when we become a Christian, and that allows us to obey in 10 seconds. But something happens, at least in my life, sometimes we hear these other voices, and I know the author, what's the author's name? Oh, uh, Mr. Groff, DeGroff, he shared it, I think he called it dueling voices, that we start hearing these other voices when it comes time to obey I can tell you when Gail asked me to talk, I had a thousand reasons I couldn't, I didn't have time to do this today. A thousand. And I, and I went back and forth for a few days and finally agreed, and I'm glad I did. But um, we hear these other voices that are telling us not to, and we have all these reasons why not. You know, Jesus himself told us these other voices come from Satan himself. And in John chapter 8, he told Jesus, um, well, I'm sorry, before we talk about those other voices, In uh, John chapter 8, Jesus said, If you hold on to my teaching, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that's where I think the bondage can be broken. The chains that was in the the last image can be the reality of our walk, where there's freedom, as we sung about today. All right, Mira, if you can go on to the next one, please. So Jesus actually described these other voices as um, a liar. And in the book of John, also, he said, He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And Jesus is talking about, obviously, our enemy, who can't steal our salvation once we accept Jesus as um, our Lord. But he certainly likes to get in our way of growth and certainly let us know we're not who Jesus says we are, because then we become less powerful to impact God's kingdom. We become less likely to obey God in 10 seconds if we start believing believing these lies, right? Because just because something is true in my experience, this is what has been really wrecking me, I'm going to tell you this. Just because I'm seeing something around me with my eyes and it appears to be true, it doesn't mean it's true. 
Like God says what's true. And I can look around and see these things and go, oh, that doesn't really seem like that's really what God's describing. It doesn't change anything. Truth is truth. The word of God is truth. And if we base our belief system based on what we see instead of what is true, it, um, it just weakens us. It weakens us. And it doesn't allow us to be empowered to impact the kingdom of God and to obey within 10 seconds as this teaching we've been talking about. So how do we know? How do we know if, um, if we're being deceived? You know, my wife and I came across a powerful teaching sometime in the last couple of weeks. His name was Steve Backlund. He was preaching. And uh, he said something that really, really kind of sparked a fire in me. And here's what he said. Any, and I believe it's biblical. Any area of our life where we don't have tremendous hope, that area is under the influence of a lie. Doesn't say hope. Tremendous hope. So I started thinking, gosh, Scott, where, where do you not have hope, right? So let me ask you a couple, few questions here. So, do you have tremendous hope for your marriage? Not hope, tremendous hope. Do you have tremendous hope for your kids? For your place of employment, for your boss? Do you have tremendous hope for this local body? Do you have tremendous hope for past our leadership? Do we have tremendous hope that we can actually do this obedience thing God tells us we can do? Right? Those are some challenging questions. And what I'm, what, what I'm hearing is any area, like my level of hope or my lack of hope is actually an indicator whether I'm believing truth or whether I'm believing lies. Because we know God is a God of hope. In Romans uh, 15, 13, uh, Paul writes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. So how much hope we have in any given situation? You know, here's another one. Do we have hope for our youth group, for our youth ministry? Like tremendous hope, like excitement, anticipation. Can't see what God's going to do with that type thing. That's another area that really challenged me. Um, so anyway, hope can be an indicator of whether we're believing truth or whether we're believing lies. And obviously, if we're believing truth, then our ability to obey God and do it right away is going to be greatly increased. You know, this gentleman I was listening to said something else which really causes you to look at hopelessness in a different way in any given situation in our life. He says, our hopelessness is actually a bigger problem than the problem. I want to say that again. Our hopelessness about the problem is actually a bigger problem than the problem. Because when we're, when we're hopeless about any given situation, we're believing something that's not true. And then the power of God that comes in his word that is true, that the Holy Spirit stifled there, where the Holy Spirit can't actually renew our minds and change us. It's a pretty powerful way to think. Our hopelessness about the problem is a bigger problem than the problem. So let's talk a little bit about our beliefs. What do we believe about God? And what do we believe about ourselves? Those of you in here who have accepted Jesus, who have said, I mean, you may not even get it. You just said it. I believe you, Jesus. I don't know why you had to die, but I know you're God, and I trust you. You're a follower now. For anybody who has, who's put their faith and trust in Jesus, these things are true about, about God. Um, so we're going to talk about our beliefs about God and our beliefs about 
ourselves once we become a Christian. And there is a difference, at least for me, to if I read some truth in the Bible, and I know it's true, because I just do. I know that everything in here, there's, like, it says what, God says what he means, and he means what it does. It's just, I believe it. Everything in here, I believe, is directly breathed from, from God himself, inspired into man to write. So I believe that everything's in here is true, but do I believe it's true for me? And there can be a difference. I've struggled with that at times. Yes, I know it's true, God, but I'm really not seeing that in my life, so, uh, there must be kind of something wrong with me, potentially, right? I think sometimes we can get in, believe that lie. So what are some truths about God or beliefs about God? What are we believing about God? First of all, God is love. Love is an emotion you and I as parents or spouses or whatever created ourselves. Our love for our children, our love for our girlfriends, our love for country, whatever it is. Love is love. It's not a man-made emotion. God is love. And the fact that we can love at all is because he loved us first. He is love. That is true. That is absolutely true about God. Second of all, we hear Jesus say, um, as the Father, and this is in, what is it, the book of John. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain my love. And what, what Jesus is saying here, God loves you as much as he loves me. That's huge. God actually loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Major. Also, in Ephesians 3.17, a truth about God. And I pray that you may have the power. This is Paul writing to the church of Ephesians. And I pray that you may have the power to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge. God's love is so big and so powerful that we, we can't even understand it. Like our love for each other. The deepest love you and I have in our life doesn't even compare. It doesn't even scratch the surface. God's love. We can't even wrap our finite minds around it. It surpasses our knowledge. God is love. And um, the greatest evidence of his love is the cross. Can you put that image up there, please? You know, there is no greater love anywhere in the world than somebody who's willing to die so that somebody else can live. You, you can't do anything greater. There's no greater act than saying, I'm going to die so that you can live. Every one of us in here as parents would do that for our children. Because the love is just so deep and so real and so sacrificial that we would do that. Where do we get that? <laughs> That's nothing we develop. It's because God did it for us. He died for us so that we can have eternal life with him. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. You know, and I think sometimes the gruesomeness of the cross, sometimes we think, ah, is that really, do I really want to look at that? Is that really for church? I think we need to remember it more often, the sacrifice he did for us. And I'm not saying that I ever minimize it, but if I forget about that and what he really did for me, to allow, because he didn't just die for mankind, he died for you, like individually. And me, individually, he loves us that much. And if we lose sight of that, we can become selfish and um, serve ourselves. And when God does whisper something for us to do and he wants to, us to do it right away, we can, think, we can hear all these other voices instead because the cross is not in the forefront of our minds. So basically, God is love. 
yes, that's true. That's what the Bible says. But is it true for you? Like, is, is your belief system, is not you, I'm sorry, our, is our belief system based on that? All right, so let's look at some our beliefs about ourselves. Once we've uh, decided to follow Jesus, what does the Bible say is true about us? First of all, it says in 2 Corinthians, therefore, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The new has come, the old is gone, the new is here. I'm going to tell you what. You want to talk, for me personally, I camped out in a lie on this one for like eight years. Because it's like, wait a minute, I'm a new creation? Then why is this piece of junk still with me? Or this, or whatever. Yes, God, I believe it's true because it's in the Bible, but something must just be uniquely wrong with me because there's still this piece of junk that's not new yet, okay? It is true. And believing that this is true actually gives the Holy Spirit permission to change us, which we're, mo- we're starting to move into that direction here. Second thing the Bible says, one, or Bible says a lot of things, obviously. The second thing I want to highlight is out of Judges chapter 6. It's the story of Gideon. And if I'm not going to tell you the whole story. I, I encourage you to go read it with this mindset. Gideon was scared and hiding, afraid. Literally afraid and hiding from the enemy. And the Lord sent an angel to come to him and tell him who he really is. And he called him a mighty warrior. Gideon's like, what? Who are you talking to? Don't you see I'm hiding here? I'm scared to death. I'm not a mighty warrior. And the angel said, yes, you are. So God will remind us and tell us who we really are. We are mighty warriors for him, even if our experience is telling us we're not. And then the third passage I want to share with you is uh, out of 1 Corinthians and this is Paul writing, he says, To the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, which means he's making us more like him after we've accepted him, sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Do we feel like holy people? King James Version doesn't say holy people. It actually calls us saints. We are literally saints. You know, for us to call ourselves miserable sinners prior to getting saved is correct. For us to continue to call ourselves miserable sinners after we've been saved is to to deny what he did for us on the cross. We are more than that. I almost think if if I believe I'm still a sinner and that's just what the purpose of it is, then I'll, I'll sin by faith to some degree. That's not what the Bible says for us. That's not what God tells us in his word. We're not going to do it perfectly. We all fall short, but that's not our identity. We're not sinners. We are overcomers because of what he, and this has nothing to do with us, really. It all has to do with him. We are overcomers. He who lives in us is greater than he who is in the world. We are a new creation. We have the mind of Christ. We can go on and on and on about the promises of God and his word. So what is the point of all this is what we believe about ourselves is really more important than what we do. Because what we, because what we believe is going to determine what we do. I'll say that again. What we believe is more important than what we do. Because what we believe is going to determine what we do. Right? Really? It's that simple? It is. But it's not easy. And it's very profound. And it's called, it's where God wants to renew our mind and change us and change our belief systems. Um, what we believe is crucial. So let me, let me show you. Put up that first uh, image, please, Mira. Can anybody identify this? What is this? Anybody willing to participate here? It's an apple tree. 
All right, next one, please. This is also an apple tree, but there's no fruit. Why do we call it an apple tree? We don't identify this tree based on what it produces. We identify this tree based on what it was created to do. And we call an apple tree an apple tree, even if we don't see all the fruit right away. It's still an apple tree. You and I are still (coughs) overcomers. We are still have the ability to obey God because we love him and he empowers us with his grace to, to obey his voice within 10 seconds. We are still an apple tree. We do not, when it comes to an apple tree, we do not give its identity from what it's done. We give its identity from what it was created to do. I mean, it's just the nature of faith. I mean, I'm thinking about when I, when I first accepted Christ. I was like 25. I was a mess. And um, I basically hit rock bottom, and I know that's a lot of your stories too. And there was, <coughs> excuse me, there was one point in that process where I was driving in my car, and I literally had to pull over. I couldn't even drive. I was bawling. I was a mess. <coughs> excuse me. And I said this prayer. Not even sure if I knew it was a prayer at the time. But I said, uh, look, God. I really do believe you're out there. I believe you're real. I also believe Jesus is real. and I don't get why there's two of you. I don't understand it. But I believe in you both. I know, Jesus, you had to die for me, and I don't get that either. But I believe it. And I I truly believe, you guys, it was after that point, that step of faith, believing in something I couldn't see or understand, that God really began to, to really change me. Because it was a belief. It was something I, nobody could have told me anything in that moment that would change my mind. It was belief. And and I couldn't prove it. I couldn't show it to you. It just was true. And and the Bible obviously says it's true. And another example, you know, my wife, this is part of her testimony that when she became, first of all, before she, Jesus, um, before she came to Jesus, she would read these four books of the Bible that all said the same thing. And they didn't make any sense to her at all. Like, you pick up the Bible, and it's like, yeah, I don't, that isn't working for me. And after she believed, something dramatically changed. The word, the Bible came alive. The words made sense. They were speaking to her. Again, it's believing before we see. And this is the direction I'm going. In no way am I trying to say, in no way do I feel the Lord is telling me, personally. Well, if you don't see great results, Scott, you just don't have enough faith. That's not the point at all. That's not at all what I'm trying, what he's telling me. What he's telling me is, Scott, believe what is true. Do not, do not believe my word and do not listen to the lies that are contrary to to the word just because you're not seeing that manifest itself in your experience. And Scott, when you start to believe in what is true, then what is true will begin to manifest itself in your experience, into your experience. That believing truth has, gives us the power to, to obey God. <clears throat> you know, and I don't know if I have this on a slide, but, you know, doubting Thomas, Jesus, when he was talking to him, he essentially said to him, look, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who believe who have not seen. Right? And what does that mean? Blessed are those who believe who have not seen doesn't mean God loves that person more than any other. It just means there's going to be some fruit of the Spirit in their life because they're believing. They're going to have the joy. They're going to have the peace. They're going to have the self-discipline during the tough times. 
And I guess the other thing, too, um, this is not... This is not the power of positive thinking that the world teaches. Because it's in the world, too. I mean, even, like, secular counselors will say, look, dude, just start thinking positive things about yourself, and your life's going to turn around. Or you think enough negative things about yourself, and they're going to come to fruition, called, like, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? The world even teaches that. That is not what this is. This is not the power of positive thinking. This is the power of God in our life. And believing what he says is true is true and allowing it to renew our minds, as Paul tells us in Hebrew. Do not con- Hebrews, do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That is what this is. It is not the power of positive thinking. Because we can do that forever in our own strength. And it's not going to give us long-term victory because it's not based in God and the truth in God in his Bible. Um... Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Is that, do you have that verse for me, Mira? Proverbs? Yeah. So Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and it has the power of death. And those who will love it will eat its fruit. Those who will love it will eat its fruit means to me, at least this is what I'm God, I'm hearing, sensing God telling me to get me going in the right direction again, is look, if you get this, and you get revelation on this, and you understand that the things you speak are either going to bring life or death to yourself, it doesn't have to be physical life and physical death. How about spiritual life and spiritual death, the words you speak? If you get that, and you start speaking, not the power of positive thinking, you start speaking truth over your life and over the people's lives you're involved in, it will bring life, and you're going to love it. Because it's going to give you freedom. You're going to be like, oh, I get this. I can do this. I just have to speak life. I have to speak God's word over my situation. And another example of this is what Jesus said about himself in John chapter 8. He said, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and they are full of life. So if Jesus' own words that he spoke when he was walking on the earth, fully human, fully God, if his words are full of spirit, why would we not want to speak his words in our life? And while we pray, back to God. Just speak those words that Jesus said that are true. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And um, I'm going to call, I have a couple more points here to talk about, but I'm going to call the worship team if you guys can start working your way back up here. You don't have to be in a hurry. Um, just want to share with you what are some things we can do. Like how can we co-labor with God in this? Like Sometimes we feel like, well, what am I going to do? Yes, God, your word is true, but I have to work towards this. There's something we have to do. And I would agree, there's a certain role that we have to do ourselves. Like God will always do his part, but he's never going to do our part. Like we need to cooperate with him. We need to co-labor with him, right? And some things that we can do, um, obviously getting into the word and reading it on a regular basis. And not reading it to under, not reading it to know it, but reading it to know the author. Like to build a relationship with the author of the book. So getting in the Word is extremely, extremely powerful. Praying. If we don't know what to pray, and I get it, man, I was just there this week. I was in my car, I wanted to pray. I did. I had nothing. I had nothing. I'm like, Lord, I want to talk to you, but I got nothing here. And I think we can all relate to that at some times. It's like we long for this. So in those times when we have nothing, there's nothing better to pray than to pray his words back to him. 
and start praying what's true. Jesus, I thank you that, um, you know, I, I have this acronym of fellowship. F stands, and it just reminds me of scriptures that I've memorized that are true, that have impacted my life. F has to do with fear. E has to do with, with endurance. L has to do with love. The other L has to do with him being the light of the world and him wanting me to be the light of the world. O in fellowship has to do with oneness. W has to do with worship and their scripture with all of these. H has to do with humility. I has to do with intimacy. And P has, P has to do with peace, love, and joy. I just start thanking him that it's true in my life, even though in my experience at that moment, it won't. it's not necessarily true. And what it does is it gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity to come in and renew my mind. So praying the word back to him and getting into the Bible are two things we can, we can do. And then obviously for the 10 second rule, is just taking the step of faith and obeying. We had, a, we had a conversation recently about, well, do you have to have a heart change first before you believe? Or obeying, can that change your heart? <laughs> They're both. They, God can use them both, both ways. So I have a question for you. This is my last question. Are you and I, is God calling us to greatness? I mean, like greatness. And I don't mean great like you're great and I'm great. Like doing great things for the kingdom of God. Or is it okay that we've become a Christian and we're following Jesus and we are more like a consumer in this kingdom where we're just coming and eating and really not having any impact on his kingdom? Look, there's no condemnation in this. There's no condemnation in Jesus. But there is sweet, sweet conviction that says, look, Scott, you're being kind of selfish. I'm asking you to do some things, and you're not doing them. And it's not really that I need you, Scott. I don't need anybody. I want to see you change. I want to see you be more empowered. I want to see you be more like me. I'd like to see you make a bigger impact in the kingdom of God. Just obey. And stop having more fear of man than you have of me. That's a big one. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Even here, like, not just here, any local house of worship where it's like, I want to come up from prayer. I want to, I want healing. I want to be more physical in my worship with Jesus, but I, whatever. Not that you have to be. I'm just saying, some of us experience those thoughts, and then we have more fear of man than we do of God, and then we just well, kind of back down. So I... I, I just want to share, I believe God is calling us, like every one of this church, to do amazing, great things in the kingdom of God. We're called for greatness. If he wanted us to be average people in the world who just kind of, you know, come in and praise him, and then, uh, you know, maybe there's, a, maybe there's a, a cool thing that happens every now and then. If that's what he wanted, he did a pretty good job, pretty poor job of teaching us in here. There's all the great things that he's calling every believer to. Every believer, not just our pastor, not just the missionaries, or somebody who's spending a year with the Lord in other countries. No, he's calling every one of us to greatness. And it's not about us being great. It's about us doing great things for him. So I just, as we go into this last song and we um, end our service here, just want to give you an opportunity to respond if you need breakthrough in your beliefs if we've been um, 
we've had some hopelessness in one or more areas, that we surrender that to him, that we ask God to come in and replace. First of all, show us what those lies are. God, show me if I've been believing any lies and then replace that with with your truth. All right, let's pray, and we're going to worship together with uh, one last song here. Why don't you stand as we pray? Oh, Jesus, we thank you so much for the truth. We thank you so much for your word, your Bible that you've left with us to help us get back on track with what is true. We thank you that your word is is alive and powerful. We thank you that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you that it cuts between bone and spirit. We thank you that it cuts between bone and marrow. And Lord, we we just ask that you would use your word to show us any lies we've been deceived in when it comes to obeying you and doing it right away, and that you would renew our minds with the power of your word to obey you. Yes, Father, we thank you for this chance to come together as brothers and sisters in your house, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.